Good afternoon. We're going to get started. Glad you are here today. Why don't we tell them thanks for our lunch today. Good job on the lunch. Again, glad you're here. Glad you commit to be here. Glad you make the effort to be here. I want to encourage you to invite somebody. Uh, think of somebody to come and, and to join us every single Thursday. We want to uh, always see our men's lunch uh, grow in number. So again, uh, be faithful in that. I'm going to ask Brother Dale if you'll lead us off with a word of prayer, please. Today we're going to continue our, our series. We've been looking at uh, the lives of five great men in the Bible. We're going to take about a half a year and run about five weeks looking at these men, and, and that's where we've been. Uh, today we're in the fourth week looking at uh, the life of Abraham. And, and what a tremendous thing looking at uh, his life and, 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 and where he went, what he did. Uh, a man who's actually called the man of faith, a man of faith. And what an example that is. And so we've been uh, traveling. Today will be our fourth week. Next week will be our final week, our, our fifth week, uh, looking at his life. If you remember as we start off today, uh, let, me, let me catch you up where we've been. We first started off looking at God's call to Abram. He is a pagan man in a pagan land, and God appears to him, reveals himself somehow to him, and calls him to leave everything that he knew to go to a land that he doesn't know. And that's his call to Abram. Uh, we saw that very first week that, that Abram uh, responds in radical obedience, really uh, unimaginable Obedience, crazy radical obedience. And that was, our, that was our first week. Here he hears from God. God tells him to go to a place he doesn't even know, and he responds in tremendous obedience. Well, uh, that led us to the second week, which I think was a, a, a big deal by itself. And that second week was looking at a giant mess up, uh, a giant foul up in the life of Abraham, where in this one episode, we see he has great trust in God, uh, in this next episode, we see a, a total lack of trust in God. And he messes up. He, he really messes up in that episode. Well, the truth was, and the truth is, uh, that Abraham is like us. He failed. He had great intention. He'd made some great strides. But he messed up. He sinned. And yet, all of these thousands of years later, he's still known as the man of faith. Now, out of that... I think that has to be a tremendous encouragement to us. Here we sit in this men's lunch on this Thursday. I want you to understand each of us hold that same potential. Each of us have that same possibility. You know what? He, he is known as a man of faith. You know what? God redeems sinful people. We have the same potential to live a life that would glorify God. I said this a couple weeks ago. The greatest thing that could be said of any of us, and my, my prayer for myself is that when Christ comes back or they shut my casket, that they can say, you know what? He lived for the glory of the living God. He lived for the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Abram blows it. And you know what? He's still known as the man of faith. We ought to take great hope, great peace in that. And then last week, we came really to a pretty profound a set of verses, and we saw last week that Abraham was counted right with God. 
And here, here is the holy God, the creator of all things. He is counted as right with God, not because God built him to be and he didn't have a choice in the matter, uh, not because he did some great things that impressed God. Now, he's going to do some tremendous things, but that's not why he's counted right with God. In fact, it wasn't because of anything that he did. But we see it was because of faith that he's counted as right with God. Genesis 15, 6 says he believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him, it was counted to him as righteousness. Understand today, we are right with God, not because of works, not because we impress God or anybody else, not because we join a church, but we are right with God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a tremendous thing. You know what? It's not because you're good enough. You're not going to be good enough. It's not because you're going to do certain things. You could never do enough things. It's not because you've impressed God. You can't impress him. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we're made right with God. Ooh, that, ought to, that ought to excite us today. We are right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Notice this, and we're going to keep on seeing this, and it's a pretty awesome thing. Notice this. Here, here's what I've already begun to, to see here. As we look at these men, it's really not about the men. As we look at these men, and we're going to see it through four more men after this, as we look at their lives, it's really not the men that stand out. You already started to see that. You know what? Abram messed up. Abram, well, he, he did some things that he regretted. It's really not about the men. It's really about our God. And as I read this account, I start to see my God, our God. And really, we're going to see that over and over. It's about our God who has mercy for us. Our God who shows us grace. It's about the greatness of our God. Abraham's a good guy. I'm sure of that. But you know what? It's the greatness of our God that stands out. It's the power of our God that we see in these accounts. We're going to see that more and more as we move through these lessons. Today, we head into the fourth day looking at Abraham. And really, as, as this day hits us, it is surely, truly revealing God to us. What's the point to our verses today? I believe we're going to see our God more clearly when we finish our passage for today. So think about the question for just a second. Here we go, headed into this fourth lesson. Who is our God? What, what is our God like? Could you, could you explain him? What would you say if someone said, tell me about the God you serve? Could you, could you explain your God to somebody else? Well, today we're going to see in our verses, and man, when, when that question is posed, we could talk about his power. We could talk about his wisdom. We could talk about his grace shown to sinners. We could talk about a lot of things. But today in our, in our verses, we're going to see this. Our God is the covenant-keeping God. Our God, this is what we're going to see, is the covenant-keeping God. Each of those words, very important. It means he keeps his word. Our God keeps his word. It means not a single promise that he's ever made, not a single promise of his has ever failed. Our God, you could take it to the bank, you can stake everything on it, is the covenant-keeping God. Let me tell you who else you can put that much trust in. Nobody. There's nobody that you can say, 
rain, shine, up, down, long time away, tomorrow, yesterday, any day. They always kept their word. You could take it to the bank. Our God is that God. He is the covenant-keeping God. All right, let's see this play out in our verses. I want to start back in Genesis 15, 6. This is our last verse from last week, and then we'll head into our verses today. Then he believed in the Lord, Abram believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. He's saved by faith. Verse 7 now, moving into our verses today. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, that's where he was at, to give you this land to possess it. And he said, and God said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. God starts off by revealing himself. He says, I am the Lord, Yahweh, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to bring him to the promised land. Now, in just this one little verse, God has shown us some things about himself. And we can read this verse and say, you know what? Uh, we can understand, we can clearly see these things about our God. It means he is the Lord God who is involved personally with people. That's, that's a pretty huge thing. He's not dealing with us as a whole. He deals with us as individuals. He, he is individually, personally involved with people. That's crazy. Creates all things and he knows you. He, 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 he thinks about you. He is individually, personally involved with people. Not only that, he is the Lord God who leads people. I'm going to take you from that place, and I'm going to take you to this place. He leads people. Our God leads people. He is the Lord God who blesses people. He's going to, he's going to take them and bring them. Uh, his leadership is a blessing to them, but he's going to bring them to the promised land, a land that they can't even imagine. He's going to bless them with the promised land. Our Lord is a God who blesses people. And so God starts by revealing who he is. And that's how that verse starts. Now, as I was, as I was working through that, uh, I, I stopped right there for just a second because that, that is a huge thing. And that's a huge thing that we need to, to understand uh, in our men's lunch that you need to understand, that I need to understand, and that is this. It all starts with God. It all starts with God. Creation starts with God. Salvation starts with God. It all starts with God. If we're to trust God, it starts with God. You don't have any great wisdom. You don't have any great willpower that you can make yourself trust God. Trusting God goes back to God. You know him, so you trust him. If you're to obey God, it goes back and it starts with God. You know what? I'm not going to obey a liar. I'm not going to obey somebody that's one way one time and a different way a different time. If I'm going to obey God, again, it's going to be because I know God. And even obedience of God starts with God. It all starts with God. Why are we having trouble in our walk sometimes? Why are our churches stalling out sometimes? You know what? It's because we've lost sight of the awesomeness of our God. I was thinking about tremendous verses that we love. John 3, 16, how does it start? For God so loved the world. Everything starts with God. And so we have to know God. Here's where we go. We have to see God because it starts with God. 
Well, isn't it interesting here in this verse, he says, I am the Lord God. And he begins to reveal himself. All right, let's go to move verse eight. He said, let me read seven again. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. Verse eight, he said, oh Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? He, he very simply asked, how will I know? How can I be sure that I will possess this? Now here comes a very strange episode, a very weird part that we're gonna work through. It's very important, starting here in verse nine. So he said to him, God said to him, he says, how will I know? God said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Verse 10, then he brought all of these to him, Abram brought all those to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. Now let me explain this. This is a pretty, pretty tremendous thing here. God makes a covenant with Abram. Now understand, a covenant, the covenant in their understanding was the strongest, most binding form of agreement. Now you could agree, you could have a contract, you could have some other things that were legally binding, but a covenant was the strongest legal binding because it was guaranteed with your life. Now think about that for a second. The guarantee here is not money. You know what, if you fail on your end of the contract, you owe me $5,000. The guarantee is not in money. The guarantee is not in property. You know what, I have the deed to your farm and if you mess this up, I'm gonna have that farm. The collateral that you put up in a covenant is your life. Let me take a side road right here for just a second. Did you know our marriages are covenant relationships? Did you know that's, that's the agreement we go into when we marry our, our spouse, our wife? It is a covenant agreement. Do you know that's why we say to death do us part? I, I talk to people and they're about to get married and we think, you know what? If I get sick and die, then you can go on and marry somebody else. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about I have entered into a covenant with you before God and I am guaranteeing it with my life. Let me tell you something. Our marriages would look a lot different if we went into it understanding I have entered into a covenant relationship. Well, this is a covenant that God is making. In this culture, to mark the covenant, they would take an animal and they would sacrifice it. They would kill it. They would slice its throat. They would kill it. They would cut it into half. They would lay it out opposite of each other. Here's a half and here's a half. And they would walk between the pieces of the dead carcass. That's how they entered into a covenant. Kind of a strange thing. They didn't have a title company. You went and sat down at a desk. They took these two halves and they laid them out and they would walk several trips. It was actually a two-day process through the carcass of these dead animals. The heifer. Now, here's, what, here's what's involved in this one. The heifer, the goat, the ram. The birds aren't cut in half. One of them is dead on each side. Here they are laid out. The, the pieces laid out to, to, to cement the covenant. Verse 11. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Now, I want you to stop here for just a second and understand this. The point to this process was to see the seriousness of the covenant. Well, this is kind of a goofy thing to do, isn't it? 
But you know what? There's no mistaking the seriousness of the covenant. The point to the process was to see the cost of the covenant. As they passed through, and as they passed through several times, and as it went over, over the hot sun, sunny afternoon, they would see the death that they're walking through. They would see the blood as it soaked into the ground and it died as it dried on the carcass. They would remember in their ears the squeal of the animal as they cut its throat. They would remember the gasp of air and the jerking around as it died before they cut it in half. As the time went on, they would start to smell the smell of, of, of death as they walked between these carcasses. It was a foul, foul thing. So much so that the Bible says the birds of prey started to circle. You know what? They didn't just do this and then they got it over with. It had gone on so long that the buzzards began to gather over the carcasses that are lying there dead. Verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. In verse 12, he sees the seriousness of this. And we really just have to kind of imagine ourselves in his, his shoes. He is filled with terror. He has just entered into a covenant with God himself. Not the king of Egypt, not the king of somebody that who, he came and took their land. He has just entered into a covenant with, with God himself. Now see this unfold. See what is going on here. Here's what this means. By walking between the two halves, understand this about the covenant. As you walk between the two halves, here's what you're saying. You're saying, if I break the covenant, I will die. But as we walk through together, we're saying, but if you break the covenant, you will die. And as we walk through there together, we see the, we see the blood. We're saying, what if I break the covenant, I'm going to die. And if you break the covenant, I'm going to watch you die. And we're guaranteeing this with our life. And as you start to smell death in the air, if I break the covenant, it's not going to be a light thing. I'm going to pay with my life. And as we walk through the, the place of death, you know what? If you break the covenant, you're going to die. And, and surely a knot started to form in their stomach. If you break it, you're going to die. If I break it, I'm going to die. And terror begins to fall on Abram. He is entering into a covenant with the living, holy God. Bible says he falls into a deep sleep. Now here's God's promise. Let me read it to you, starting in verse 13. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers, in a land that is not theirs. That's talking about when they go to Egypt, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. I'll judge that nation. And after their word, they will come out with many possessions. That's the Exodus. That's when they come out of Egypt. As for you, Abram, here he talks to him personally, you shall go to your fathers in peace, talking about his death. You'll be buried at a good old age. Verse 16. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Now, he tells them, that's the promise. That's the, that's the covenant, the promise that we're making. Now watch this and we, as we go to verse 17. It came about that the sun had set, that it was very dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. It got very dark. Behold, a smoking oven and a flaming torch passed between 
the pieces. Now understand this, the smoking oven, the flaming torch is the presence of God. The presence of God, it gets dark late in the evening and and the, the presence of God comes and it passes through the pieces. Here's this heifer laid open. Here's this, this goat laid open. Here's this ram laid open. Here are these, these birds dead there. And the presence of God passes through those pieces. Today, our word, to ratify, means to make something official. It means to put something into effect and to now have something that is binding. Uh, we, we do this with our signatures. Here's the contract, and we see the contract, and we agree on the contract, but we ratify the contract when we sign the contract. Well, understand now, the covenant is now ratified. It is now in effect. It is now binding. Verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this lamb, from the, the river of Egypt as far as the great river of the Euphrates. The promise is set. The covenant is ratified. Now, now I want you to watch this. If you haven't heard anything yet, then start listening right now. Notice this. Only one of the parties went through the halves. Did you notice that? O- only one of the parties, God, went through the halves. Abram was asleep. He he couldn't do anything. He couldn't ratify this. He was asleep. He didn't go through the halves. Only God went through the halves. Meaning this, I make both sides of the covenant. That's what that means. Abram's over there asleep. God, by passing through himself, says, I ratify both sides of the covenant myself. What that means practically is this. If I break the covenant, I will die. But if you break the covenant, I will die. Not you. If you break it, you did it. You're not going to pay. I will pay. Men, do you see the cross in that? Do you see our redemption in that? Even if you break it, if you break it, if you can't keep it, if you mess this up, if you break it, I myself will die. New Testament book of Romans says this, but while we were yet sinners, we broke it. Christ died for us. Wow, what a picture of the cross. You know what, if I break it, you hold it to my word, I'll pay. But if you break it in grace and mercy, you won't pay it, I will pay it myself. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. I want you to see this, and man, there's a whole lot of history here. We'll go very quickly. I want you to see this. God kept his word. God kept his word. He gave him the promised land. This land we're in, he gave it to him. Abraham actually died in peace And he was buried in an old age. He kept his promise to Abraham. 175 years old, the Bible says. He died in peace. He was buried there in a cave. He kept his promise to Abraham. You know what, God, he he brought them out of Egypt. He actually did that. 
He actually, he said, I'll judge that nation. He judged that nation. He crushed their army with a sea that fell on them. He said, you know what? My word is this. I'll bring you back out of there 400 years. Not only will I bring you out of there, I'll bring you with a bunch of stuff they left with the gold of Egypt. Not only that, I will judge that nation. He crushes their army under the sea and he brought them home again. He kept his word. Listen very carefully. We're almost done. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. I don't know if that impresses you or not. Well, he's holy. Well, he's mighty. Well, he's full of grace. I love that stuff. Listen, our God is a covenant-keeping God. Not one word that he has ever spoken has failed. Not one promise that he's ever made has ever fallen short. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. You want to say something today, go out and say, you know what? Our God is a covenant-keeping Keeping God. You ask me, why does that matter? Why is that a big deal? It's because in Genesis chapter 3, he promised, he promised that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. It's because in Genesis chapter 12, he said the Messiah would come out of the lineage of Abraham and that through him, he would be a blessing to all nations. Not one nation, but all nations. That was the promise of God. It was a a promise in Genesis 49 that the line that would come out of the tribe of Judah would be the Messiah, our Savior. It is a promise in 2 Samuel that the root of David would sit on the throne of his father and he would rule forever. He's the king forever. That is the promise of God. In Isaiah, it says that he will be the the suffering servant and by his stripes, we are healed. Listen to the cross of Jesus Christ. Our sin problem is satisfied. In the book of Isaiah, it says he will be born of a virgin. Guess what happened in Bethlehem? He's born of a virgin. Is that his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. It's the incarnation. God is actually with us in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jeremiah and Malachi, it says he will be the Lord, our righteousness, Do you understand in Jesus Christ, we wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's because he promised that he himself would rend the heavens, that he himself would save, that he himself would be our salvation. Why does this matter? It's because he has never lied. He has never broken a single word. Our covenant-keeping God sends Jesus Christ, listen to this, and every word, every promise, the covenant is kept in Jesus Christ. That is our God. That is our covenant-keeping God. Oh, in your sin, in your strife, you're condemned, you're dead, you're dying, but I will save you. Not one word has failed, and he sends Jesus, and the truth is fulfilled in Jesus. That's why it matters. Abraham on his deathbed, 175, not one word has failed. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. God. Praise the Lord. That's our God. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. And I'm thankful as we stand here, a a bunch of failures, a bunch of people with good intentions. We don't pull it off. A bunch of big talkers. We don't, we don't walk it out. We sin, all of us, each of us. Some of it, a lot of folks see it, some of it we hide pretty well. But the remedy for sin is the promised Savior, Jesus Christ. You said that you would rend the heavens. You said that you would, you would die for our sins. You would live again. 
You said that in that, that the righteousness of God will be, will be placed on us. It's placed on us in Christ. And not one word has failed. Lord, I thank you for that. I praise you for that. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are the covenant-keeping God. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We worship you. I, I pray for anybody here that doesn't know you today. I, I pray as they hear this that they couldn't turn away. They couldn't, I, I pray they couldn't even sleep tonight until they put their trust in the God that's trustworthy the Savior for sin, Jesus Christ. Lord, if, there, if there's a question, let us settle it. If there's an issue, let us resolve it. But I pray that men in this room would put their eyes and their trust and their faith, their hope in Jesus Christ for salvation. Lord, I pray for the rest of us here today that we would blow out of here excited, exalting, and worshiping the covenant-keeping God. We, lo we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.